You're listening to Career Up Now's Socially Distanced Close-Ups podcast. Today, Dr. David Schachter is interviewing Nick Lippman. Nick is the founder and president of Ava Jade. He is a music industry innovator and artist manager who enjoys linking technology with talent, developing artists, being first, and bringing ideas to fruition. Let's jump in on the conversation. When you first started out, did you envision yourself in this position you are now or what was your vision at that time yeah sort of i mean i think when i first started out i wanted to be you know a top manager and and tour the world and and build a an international resume and an opportunity to to see a lot of things with people that i believe in and and who you know bring joy to the world um i think i've accomplished that you know parts of it i, I have traveled the world with with many amazing artists and I've seen a lot of things uh, but I think having kids changed that a little bit in terms of I, my priorities became a lot more spending time with my daughters than pursuing traveling with bands and I think rightfully so so yeah I do I just didn't realize how much fatherhood would mean to me and, and how important every aspect of that and being a part of my children's life would cause me to reevaluate certain steps I would take in business to make sure I don't ever put myself in a position not to be there for them for any and every milestone in their life. Well, I think that's a very good balance and perspective and, and value system. Could you briefly share your journey from starting out to where you are now? Uh, I mean, my journey started in high school. Uh, my journey started in the summer of 1994 when I first started high school and I went to work at my first record company and it was for a guy named Marcus Morton and it was at EMI in the urban division and the first day I sat across from the guy and he said go watch this movie called Swimming with Sharks and come back the next day uh, and let's get down to business and I did and I watched it and was you know it's obviously if you've seen that movie uh, it's quite interesting. Uh, in terms of a boss and, and working for somebody relationship. And I went back in there and I soaked everything up like a sponge. I just, I was, it was back when we were, you know, literally you were taping together long play records and cassettes and sending them out to radio. And just the, the record companies at the time, so much was going on and it was such a, an enjoyably fun, upbeat atmosphere of play and music and just, it was such an amazing feeling every time I walked into that office uh, that I just really loved it. You know, I went to school and the next year I, you know, I wanted to get another job in the music business and this time I went over to work at Interscope uh, at Murtaugh Plaza, which is in Westwood. And I did that for two years, two summers, uh, the summer of 10th and 11th grade, uh, which was awesome. And I, I got to meet and work with Shug Knight at the time. He was a pretty big deal in, in terms of seeing something from a really different perspective. Uh, I got to listen to every unreleased Tupac song ever, you know, after his death and read his fan mail while doing it, which is pretty cool because I was a huge fan, just a man. And then when I moved to Florida, my uncle and my father found this band, Matchbox 20. It happened to be right in the same exact place when I was in college. And my friends saw that and sort of were like, well, then you could be my manager. And that's sort of how I got into the management board. They were sort of accidental. And then from there, I started to learn, and when I got done with Florida and came back to LA and I finished college, uh, my girlfriend, who became my wife for a long time, now my ex-wife, pushed me to 
talked to my father about working alongside of him and learning the business, you know, and I told her I don't want to be someone's kid my whole life. And I went and sat with my father and told him exactly that. I don't, I don't want to be known as Michael Lippin's son. That's, that's, not, that's not an identity I want to take on. I said, but I see there's a shift about to happen in this business. And technology is about to really take a stranglehold on what you do. I want to go run with that. And I learned the, the management business from him, but simultaneously started to really focus on these digital players and these digital things, these things like that were just starting like Pandora and Amazon was breaking into music. And I mean, we were the first management company, maybe the second, first or second management company in history to have artists on Spotify. Uh, and I went in there and met Daniel and met Navy Fields and met all these people because I really saw this shift happening. And as a result of that, you know, by the grace of God, I got really lucky that I got in uh, on the beginning with the big dogs. And I leveraged Matchbox 20 as my kind of my way in. And they benefited, you know, enormously from that because they became a very, very big digital band. Um, just leveraging the relationships I had and, and those people and their wives love of the band. And from there, it kind of ran with it. You know, I, I did the, the artist thing on one side and, and created and developed new acts. And on the other hand, I took all of our, our business into the new digital age and made sure that we were ahead of the curve. And I've done, I think, 46 quote unquote firsts in this business utilizing technology. You know, I did a deal with Facebook before anybody else did. I did a deal with eHarmony before anyone knew what dating sites were. Uh, I did the first influencer campaign in history when people didn't even understand what that was. And I, on one end, I was so far ahead of my time that I didn't necessarily have the results that you'd want to see. However, time has only showed you that I was exactly where I needed to be, just early. So that was kind of the journey. And, and yeah, that's, the story of, that's the story of adapting and, and following your interests and uh, you know, trying to be at the cutting edge of change, which is important in, in this world. Yeah, absolutely. And, and seeing you know, where, what I can do to help build on the legacy that my family created and how I can carve my own name out in, in this industry. And it was obviously, it was the clear path for me was doing something new in, in a business that had done old for so long. What new challenges or opportunities does the pandemic present for your company and your industry? Well, challenge wise, we had to cancel every tour this year. I had to put on hold. I mean, you know, unfortunately for us, the two to three weeks leading up to everything closing down, I had a lot of incredible things going on for a lot of the younger acts that were going to start to see the light of day and start to break through kind of through the clutter. And then it all got shut down. On one side of it, that's been terrible. On another side of it, we've been able to work on a lot of music. You know, I have, um, and we've been able to do these Zoom shows. And we've been able to keep ourselves current and keep all of the artists in people's hearts and in people's minds. Um, I think one thing is we're all in it together. So it's not like just my company suffered this problem. Um, actually, I think there's probably management companies that have streaming artists that stayed doing fine. There's management companies that 90% of their money is based on touring. And somehow I have you know, not yet managed to, to come out of this on the other side. Uh, also, there's people who look at the pandemic through one lens and don't ever want to leave or talk to anybody. And then there's the others who look through it in the other lens and okay, well, I've been good for a little bit. You know, maybe I can go out now with my mask and you're just, you're, you're kind of seeing it both. And then there's the whole, everybody's saying, wait for the second wave and the second wave. And 
it's going to get bad in the fall. And so you, you have all of that kind of pent up. And then, of course, you have all of that stirring in pot A while we have to deal with the ridiculousness of still having race issues in 2020, which I come from a multiracial family, I find it to be, you know, it's terrible. But it's, it's another issue that we have to do that everyone is, is stuck at home dealing with right now, which is a positive because I think there's going to be resolution towards the end of it. But there's just so much negativity going on in the world right now that hopefully the light at the end of the tunnel is music and live and then everything that we bring can, can start to open up the door of joy. I think the door of joy has been literally buried so far below so much negativity and hate and concern and lies and misfeeding of information that people just don't know. And there's not that release of happiness. At the moment. And that's where I hope we as a business and an industry can kind of come through and remember and remind people that, you know, what we do is, is to bring happiness for two hours a night, you know, for our clients to people who pay hard and mind to escape whatever realities are outside the walls of the room they're in. Is there a challenge for your industry in trying to bring joy and escape, and at the same time, if you will, dabbling in politics and political statements? How do you do that in such a way as to allow your audience to relax and get away from their everyday experience, which right now is very conflict-based and very politically based? Yeah, well, I think one, you know, people need to understand that if, if such and such celebrity was never a political person on their social media platform now, they probably should start. That's not, you know, number two, I don't think that celebrities or people that, or, or, or musicians are necessarily people that we need to be going to for the answers to these bigger problems. Um, most, of, most of people that I feel like people go after for questions and solutions and opinions don't, aren't properly educated on everything that's going on and therefore don't know the whole story in order to give an opinion. I also feel like no matter what anybody says, somebody can read into it any way they want to. So it's very difficult for people to feel like they're saying the right thing. And then two seconds later, here comes somebody saying, well, you know, what do you mean by that? Or how do you do that? And, and all of a sudden you're pigeonholed and for that you want to take a step back, but you also feel it's your right as a human being to step up and say when you think things are wrong and inhumane and, and, and agree with, with movements and agree with things are out there. So it's, it's a tough place to be in, um, especially when you have guys that are out there saying musicians need to be in the right, musicians need to be this, and you're just to say, look, our job is to bring joy to the world. Our, our job is to help you escape and for us to go and, and sing songs about things that are going on in life that hopefully you relate to and hopefully can help you get through what you're doing, not add fuel to the fire. Albeit there are political artists too, like Rage Against the Machine and shit that I totally love. So I don't, again, that's I have a question. Can you name a teaching moment for yourself uh, whether that was a mistake or a failure or something that made you reassess something along the way. In this instance or just above? Oh, just in, totally. any, in anything. In your oh, career. yeah, absolutely. In the beginning of my career, I was so, because my dad was well known and, and I was so scared to not know everything that I sometimes, and this is really the beginning, this is probably the first two years of my career, you know, I would definitely tell people I knew things that I didn't know. Mm. And then I would have to go back and learn what they were. And I think I, I didn't really understand that it's okay not to know everything. And it's okay to turn to people for help and they're not gonna look down to you or look anything else. But if you don't know what you're doing and you make a mistake, they're surely not gonna be 
happy with, with the decisions you're making and the things that you were doing. Oh, that's, that's good advice. It's often better to say, I don't know, than to try to, um, you know, BS your way. Well, and that's, that's what I try to tell my kids. You yeah. know, I don't expect them to know everything. And, and I learn something new every day, and even in my industry, whether yeah. it's on digital or in music, or I hear a new band or a new way of saying something. There's something new is to be learned every day, no matter who you come across. And I, I just, I feel like it's important to, to ask questions. And, and right now, even to this time, I think it's important for the youth and everyone to be asking as many questions as they are, just going out there and full throttle fighting. Yeah. Uh, how has mentorship enriched your life? You mentioned someone earlier that was an influence, uh, mentor. Uh, I mean, I've, I've been lucky to have sort of a, a mentor in my father, albeit it's very uniquely different relationship because the father slash boss then slash partner hat is, is a unique one to wear because there's no time off and time on since your family. Um, I've had some great mentors and people who have helped me navigate when I have problems with my father. And I don't, you know, like any father son relationship or any boss, you know, you need to be able to turn to people that you can trust, especially cause we're a well-known family. Um, I, I believe it's an important thing to have. I think I, I mentor a couple of, of young kids who want to get in this industry and try to help them understand what they want out of it and what they're trying to do and what their goals are, both as human beings and as either managers or whatever they want to do in the, in the music industry. I think it's important for everybody to think about what you want. And if your answer to me is money, or anything like that. I don't think that you're doing this for the right reasons and you might want to reassess. I mean, sometimes I even meet with, with young artists who have wealthy parents and the parents are like, look, I want to put money into this and I'll sit with the artist and I'll go back to the parent and say, hey, you know what? I think you guys need to have a conversation. I, I don't think that your son or daughter sees it the way that you see it. And I don't think that no matter what you can do for them, I don't think that's what they're looking for in life. And I think before I can help you or anyone can help you, you need to go back and, and, and really have a conversation and make sure that you as a family are on the same page. And I think that's a lot in, in any part of our industry. That's very, very appropriate. I have only two more questions. What is, what, what is the core value that, that seems to guide your life? Core value. Honestly. Core value. Honestly. You know, I think, I think that I learned early that my business is filled with a lot of people who are bad people. And that it was a unique lane for me to take to be a good one and to be one of the people that I know people can trust and one of the people that knows that I do honest business and one of the people that knows when you, you know, my, my father did this before me and it was something I really respected with him. But when you get the Lipmans or you get me or in your world or in your team or anything, you know, you're getting somebody who cares, somebody who's honest, you know, somebody who's going to work hard. And I think those are all traits that I want to, I want my kids to take on as well. It's a really good one. Really good one. All right, I'm going to have you one final question. Why do you think mentorship programs like Career Up Now, which is the program you know, on the basis of which I'm interviewing you, why do you think that this type of program is important? I think people need a place to turn to. And the more, you know, your community, at least when I was, you know, the community was always a place that you were supposed to turn to. And Sometimes kids don't have a community or you're isolated or your parents are working or you're brought up by the name or you're brought up by this and you don't know where to turn to and places like career up that create a community for people who have like-minded thoughts and, and reasons and things they want to do and people they want to get at and, and really want to get something out of it. And that's really, really important. It's similar to what the YMCA's were, you know, back in the days and the kids that would go there that went there to play ball and went there to do all the right things that it provided some of us really what you wanted to get out of it and how much you put into it was how much you took. 
And in, in places like this and mentorships and all that, you have a group of people on the, the mentor side who are willing to be there and help. And if you have the same willingness and group of people who want to take that advice and, and want to ask questions and want to learn something, then you have something really special. And it's important that people feel secure in an environment that they can do that and not feel like they're being judged or not feel like someone's going to call them stupid or not feel like they don't know enough to pursue their dreams.